0: Amen. Hey, thanks Lauren for that. And man, I'm, I'm just so um, blessed to be here today. So encouraged by what we just saw with Monty. Before we get started, uh, we're going to 1 Peter 2 today. 1 Peter chapter 2. If you're a paper Bible person, which I think is a great discipline, I think more of us should be paper Bible people, then uh, that's, don't say that three times fast. Uh, It'll be on the screen later in 1 Peter 2, but while you're taking your time to turn there, I just want to say how thankful I am, really, that we can be the kind of church, the kind of place that um, men would meet needs and see people for who they are. Monty, uh, I spent a lot of time with him whenever I was the student pastor here before I transitioned to this job that I'm in now, college and young adults. Uh, And that's a great dude with a bright future. And if you've been moved really by the story of his baptism today, if you've been wrestling with baptism for yourself, right? Not magic water, not a saving moment, but just an outward expression of an inward reality where you would say, hey, I've been following Jesus recently or for a while, but I want to make this public. I want people to know I want this church family to encourage me in my faith journey, and we would love to help you do that. Uh, You can reach out to us on the internet, you can call us on the phone, you can walk up to one of us in person. We'd love to make that happen. And I promise, unless you're extra bad like Monty, we won't put you down twice. That just happened because of him. Um, If you guys knew him, you you knew he needed that. Anyway, so uh, when Robert asked me to preach this week, we were talking about a couple of different things. You know, I don't have total autonomy most of the time whenever I walk up here, which is a good thing for you guys and a pretty good thing for me. Um, can't get myself in trouble that way. So we talked about a couple of different things and landed on a concept that I think all of us wrestle with, regardless of where you are on this spectrum, regardless of really how you grew up or what kind of position you hold now, right? Whether you're working or not working or where you fall on the socioeconomic scale, this idea is something I think we all could use a little bit more of, and uh, it's this idea that's really been made famous by the great 20th century philosopher Aretha Franklin, who said, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, we're talking about respect today, people, and here's the deal. We you know we we're talking about this, thinking about this, we're going into a season of thankfulness, but a season where a lot of us are probably going to be around a lot of people that um, You know, if we're honest with ourselves, we really might not like. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we might not spit on if they were on fire, right? It's it's just kind of how the holidays go. We're around a lot of people uh, that we might not be around and have an opportunity to flex a muscle of respect that we might not traditionally use. But here's the deal with respect, right? We all kind of get this idea of what it is and who to give it to and who not to give it to. But even that is kind of, a, kind of a sliding scale in and of itself. The world has got some great ideas about respect. Like one of those, I've got to weave through this maze right here. One of those is uh, Toyota as a company, right? Uh, you may drive a Toyota, may not drive a Toyota. At least for now, they make normal-looking cars. If any of you guys saw Tesla's Cybertruck this week, it's really weird. Do yourself a favor and run from the future. It's strange. <laughs> It's like Tron and Blade Runner had a baby. It's very strange. But Toyota, who makes normal-looking cars, uh, not a commercial for them, but just a statement, they have two guiding principles. One of them is continuous improvement, right? We can, we can get behind that as a people, continuous improvement. And the other one is respect for humanity. Respect for humanity. And this is what they say as a company, respect. In our relationships with our colleagues and with others, it's important everyone is respected. Both for what they contribute and for who they are. That includes their ideas and their cultural and personal beliefs. Through respect, we accept personal responsibility for what we do and build mutual trust and understanding with those around us. It is also central to our mission to build a diverse and sustainable workforce that reflects society around us in our changing customer base. So here's what we see, right, from this company from Toyota. They're in the business of making profit, and normal cars, but profit. And they would say, hey, through these two ideas of continuous improvement and this idea of respect for all people, this is what's going to help us be a great company and move forward. And regardless of your stance on them as a company, right, they're, they're doing pretty good. We drive Toyotas. It looks like they're making money. So, at least in the world, this looks like a great idea. So there's an idea about respect in the world. Here's an idea about respect in the Bible. Let's go to 1 Peter 2, I hope you're already there, in verse 17, and you know the Bible was not written in English. If you're a student of the Bible, you're familiar with that. This New Testament part of the Bible was written in Greek. So, uh, people who are way smarter than me, I'm talking way smarter than me, I was a very poor Greek student, translate into English and I can tell you you can trust that book that's in front of you because I'm dumb and I made some things that looked like this so you're you're good reading that book here's what it says in two different translations honor everyone love the brotherhood fear God honor the emperor And the second one, if you're willing or unwilling, could we read this out loud together? Uh, So we're starting with show proper respect to everyone. Let's read it together. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So in this, Peter is writing to really the church scattered. So this is Peter who walked with Jesus, who knew him as a friend, was kind of in the big three, the original core posse of Jesus, who spent a lot of time with him he wrote these uh, 11 words in Greek, these four sentences, which basically sum up all social obligations that Christians have. We're not really gonna walk through each one of these. We're gonna live in respect today, but we can see this idea of showing proper respect to who? To everyone. Now, how hard is that? I mean, how hard is that? You could be like me and, uh, you know, be inclined kind of day-to-day to to show some courtesy, some common courtesy to the people around you, uh, but drift towards sort of a deep resentment or a distrust of the people who, you know, maybe hold some authority in your life, the people who deserve respect. Or you could be the other way. You could be a great employee, a good soldier. You could follow and march along Show respect easily to those people, but discount the common man and only show respect to people that you think deserve it. You know, I want to pit these two ideas against each other, this show proper respect to everyone and a phrase we all know, respect is earned, not given, right? We've all heard that, right? Respect is earned, not given. And when I put that up there, some of you are probably like, yeah, that's right, you you earn my respect. Me standing up here doing the dog and pony show for the first couple of minutes, so that's that's so I can earn your respect. So that you will listen to what I have to say. This is part of how people work. That our respect is something that people have to choose, right? To give. I can't run up to you and go, respect me. Not really how it's gonna go. It's an interpersonal working. But here's the deal and here's why I think that our world is full of so much disrespect is because respect is on this like subjective sliding scale of who you respect and why you respect them, right? So think about it. Our world is so politically divided, so socioeconomically divided, so divided by class, right? And I'm not just talking about America, right? We live in America, but let's go global. Let's think about the whole world and the history of the world. People Man, we are so easy to withhold respect from someone because we don't like who they are, what they're like, where they're from, what they think. And I think it's caused us to live in a world that that we all sort of hate sometimes, if we're honest. And in part, we're a part of the problem. But in part, we can be a part of the solution. There are probably people that it's super easy for you to respect or people who it kind of should be easier for you to respect, right? Let's think about big, easy sort of respect winners. Uh, Police officer a uh, judge, a boss, right? Now, why would we respect those people as opposed to, you know, your neighbor or maybe a person who you meet out on the street one day or a person you work with? Well, why would it be easier to respect one person over another person? Well, let's think about that first category of people, right? A boss. What's the risk whenever you don't respect a boss, right? If your boss says, hey, Daniel, uh, here's what's going on. We got this project right here. You got to hit this timeline, da 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 These are the deliverables. And I just said, mm, I don't think so. I'd rather not. Well, that person might not be my boss for much longer. <laughs> and it's not because they're going anywhere, but because I'm going somewhere, right? Let's think about a police officer, right? So we're in a moment uh, where we drive faster than the speed suggestion and we get pulled over and uh, we're trying to get out of a ticket, right? That they deem is worthy. So we have a moment where we could you know, be respectful, see this person as a, a person who's worthy of our respect, of our honor and treat them in such a way. But let's say we fly off the handle, right? We use a lot of profanity, we attack their character, their worth as a human. How do you think getting out of that ticket for that speed suggestion is gonna work for you? Not very well, right? And then a judge, right? People who we literally refer to as your honor. So a judge in a courtroom having a proceeding, You're in the back and you decide, hey, this is a great time for me to cut up and tell a story to a friend back here. What's gonna happen to you? You'll be held in contempt. I don't even really know what happens there, but it looks scary when it happens in TV and in the movies. You don't want that to happen. So we see this like honors given to some people, but not to other people. And it's usually whenever we feel like there's something on the line, whenever they have positional authority over us, right? Or whenever we see their worth as something that's worthy of us to acknowledge but that breaks down eventually. You have a line and you have a line and you have a line that's different than my line for who we would choose to respect and when and how. And that's what leaves us in this mess is is we're all kind of on the spectrum, Christian and not Christian, of who we would choose to say, hey, you're a person worthy of respect. You're a person worthy of honor. And this is the crowd that Peter writes it to. He writes it to people who are in a world where they are on the margins of society. It's easy for us, you know, in 2019, in America, in the West, in the middle class, to say, hey, look, uh, times have never been harder. We've never been more divided. It's never been harder to get along with people and to show respect than it is right now. Oh, really? Look, we might have advanced in technology but we really as a society are are pretty similar to how we've always been. The core of people is the same. What am I saying here? So he wrote this to a group of people who were on the margins of society. I mean, I'm talking they were the least of the least. They were being persecuted like nobody's business. These people were being killed, they were being run out of their houses. The last part of that verse says, right, honor the king, honor the emperor. Okay, cool, well, who is that at that point? That's Nero. And if you're a student of the Bible or a student of history, you know Nero was a very bad dude. You could probably convince me of maybe a few rulers. I mean, I'm talking a few, like, kind of on one hand, who were worse than Nero, but not many. I mean, this guy hated Christians, hated Christians. Would for fun light them on fire, offered them up in the Colosseum for entertainment to be devoured by lions. And he's saying, hey, look, uh, all people you're supposed to respect. That means all people, including these people who hate you, who want your head, who discredit everything that you are. It's not just that people were after Christians' lives, but they even would discredit their character, and they had uh, little rumors that would float around about the first century church. They would say things like, they're cannibals, because they would uh, partake in the Lord's Supper, right, which we're going to do at the end of this service, that Jesus said, you know, you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Well, that's, you know, allegorical, that's a metaphor, but the... The Roman culture at that time would say, oh, you guys are cannibals, right? It's like, hey, welcome to the membership meeting. Uh, If you're the newest member, no one else joins before you, we're going to eat you at the next meeting, right? That's what they thought was happening in the Christian churches. They said things like that because Christians uh, only worshipped one God and didn't have all these idols. They would say that Christians were atheists. I mean, they had all of these rumors going around about the first century church. So these people had a great reason. I mean, I'm talking legitimate reason to be disrespectful to other people because people were openly speaking out against them. They were hated on the margins of society. But we got some college students in the middle. They're probably hearing me say that, say this. But one of the two reasons that the church thrived in early Rome was because of the way that they were resilient in the face of persecution. They were consistent Even when people despised them, killed them, spoke out against them, the church rose up and they were faithful to turn the other cheek, to love their neighbor, and to honor all people, to love each other with a genuine respect. This uh, word there that they get honor and respect from that Peter does it's this, uh, this Greek word, I'm not going to go super language boring for you guys, I'm not going to make your eyes glaze over, but um, it's this Greek word, uh, and it really has this idea in it of honor and respect, so it means what it says, but the part of speech it is, is this thing that's called a constative aorist. Stick with me, I'm almost done. What it says is, uh, it doesn't matter this is what it is. So a Constative Aorist would describe things like, I am white, I am six foot one, I am 200 and pounds, you know? Like, that's the kind of thing it does. I am this old, there are this many people in this room. It's not like other places where New Testament writers would say, as long as it's up to you, live peaceably with all men. It is honor all people. Show genuine respect to everyone. No ifs, ands, or buts. You don't get a pass on this one. Doesn't matter who, doesn't matter when, doesn't matter why. It is what it is. Christians are supposed to be people of respect. Now, why, how? Where are you going with this, Daniel? Daniel? Let's look at another passage. We'll continue to flesh this out. We'll land the plane soon. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 12.10. It's a passage that I use a lot in weddings. Uh, It's an idea that I think a lot of us are familiar with. It's this like love and respect, love and honor kind of have this dual nature to it. So, as you look at this, kind of keep this verse in your mind, I'm going to give you a, a practical definition of honor, which is this. To honor someone, honoring someone, is treating them with your deeds and your words as a person worthy of your service. Right? It's treating someone with your deeds, what you do, and your words, what you say. It's outward. It's not inward. It's not a secret respect. It's not a secret honor. Those things are great. I think the Lord wants us to honor people in secret and honor people publicly. But when we're doing things in secret, right, we gotta bring those things out. No one's gonna know if you respect them if you don't go out there and do it. So to honor them with your words and honor them with your deeds is to consider them worthy of your service. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you are on the organizational chart, where you are on the ethnic spectrum, where you are in the socioeconomic spectrum, right, to be a Christian and to honor is to consider someone else worthy of your service. Worthy of your service. Now, there are... You know there are a lot of single people in the room, people that aren't married. but if I was going to use that verse and kind of talk about this idea of like love and respect, there's a great book on marriage uh, called Love and Respect. There are a lot of married people in the room, so if I didn't take a two minute time out to draw this and then use it in, uh, as an illustration for me, I think I would be doing us a disservice. So uh, it's called Love and Respect: a great book. Uh, a lot of great principles. And here's kind of the rub here, the principal idea with love and respect. This book is uh, if you act, there's two primary needs, really. They would argue that a man, not that men don't need love, but that men primarily need respect. They want to see, hey, I consider you worthy of my service. I want to follow you. Uh, you're the guy for me, that kind of thing. And then women need love. They need to be cherished. They need to be shown that they're precious. Got it, cool, so we're with me. So, there's love and respect, and uh, the author talks about this wheel, this cycle, where he says, okay, this says respect. It's hard to read this thing from out there. I've been you out there looking at this thing here, and I've been like, why do we do this? You'll see in a second. So, respect, (laughs) respect, and then at the bottom here, okay, at the bottom here, is love. You really don't want me to write any bigger, because then you'll mock my handwriting, so. And here's the idea here, okay? Is that in a marriage, right, with a man and a woman, then uh, someone will act, right, without respect. And if you act without respect, then that will reciprocate an action without love, okay? And then it goes around in a cycle. And the author calls that the crazy cycle. (laughs) So if you've been married for any small amount of time, I haven't been married for a long time, We've all been here, right? So this is this uh, crazy cycle, but it's easy to get out of it is what the author would argue. And it's so simple. You ready for this? Someone's got to go first and it might not just be one action. It might be a series of actions, but it would result in someone either acting with respect or acting with love first. And then that will reciprocate a response of the other. So if someone says, hey, you know what? Don't feel like I'm getting respected around here, but I'm still gonna treat her with love, right? Then you know what? That's eventually gonna get a response of respect and it goes around in this cycle. Okay, that's for your marriage. Here's for a sermon on respect. Here's what's gotta happen for us. Somebody's gotta go first in this respect disrespect game. Man, there are people that are trolling each other on Facebook, people that are whispering about you behind your back, people that you will eat turkey next to that you would not spit on if they were on fire. (laughs) But somebody has got to go first, and I'm saying it's got to be us. Like, it's got to be you. If you want to make a difference in your life, then you've got to be a person of action, That's why I love the character of Jesus, the person of Jesus. In his character, who he is, is a person of action. He makes it happen, and that's what he calls us to do. So, we'll make this say respect, or something that resembles respect with my bad penmanship. So, if somebody's treating you without respect, you treat them with respect, and eventually, I dare say that some respect might come back around to you. Now, uh, the Christian life is not a life of karma, but it is a life where Jesus says you reap what you sow. Life is cumulative. It adds up. When you step into taking control of your life in the way of Jesus, you change the way that things go. But somebody's got to go first. First. Now, who's going to go first? I would dare say it's going to be the more mature person, the more aware person, uh, the person who might be a little bit more of a grown-up, maybe, in this situation. So uh, let me show you a picture real quick. This is uh, my daughter who turns four months in a couple of days. Um, This is Stella. I picked this picture because she looks like she's at her fattest here. She used to look like her mom until she got fat, and now she looks like me. So... That is not a joke. Everything else I've said is a joke, but that was sincere. So anyway, this is Stella. Um, she's a great baby. She loves us, but uh, respect, not so much. Those of you who've had babies or been around babies before, you know that like they want what they want when they want it. She had no concern for the fact that I was trying to preach this week. No concern for the fact that my wife Carly had you know, a pretty big project due at work this week. Uh, nope. She wanted what she wanted when she wanted it. And so many of us tend to act like babies sometimes. (laughs) And we want what we want when we want it without consideration for the other person, without counting the other person worthy of our respect, worthy of our service with our words and with our actions. Now, this is a hilarious illustration because she's a fat baby, right? (laughs) But for us... How many times do we act like that? How many times do we say, I'm the one in charge here? I'm I'm the big dog. I'm the most important person in the room. You're not gonna get my respect because you haven't earned my respect. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've done? How many times do we do that? But the way of Jesus is to stoop low, right? He is a servant king who left heaven, came to earth, and died for our sins so that we could be changed, we could be saved. We could go from death to life, right? Like Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. So we follow in his path. Like the greatest among you must be the least, the first or the last. This is the way of Jesus, it's to look at others, regardless of who they are, and to consider them worthy of your respect. All right, Daniel, great job. Where are you getting that from? Let's go to more Bible. 1 Peter 2, running up a little bit. Verse 4: As you come to him, this is coming to Jesus, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. A living stone, chosen and precious. That's what the Lord says of us right? That each person we meet, each person we know, each person we see, we have this spark of godliness inside of us. There's a a theological concept called the uh, imago Dei, the image of God that we all bear, that we were made in God's image. But it means that people are the only thing on earth worthy of our respect. Let's go ahead and put that up. People are the only thing on earth that are worthy of our respect. And when you respect someone, right, it cuts to the core of who they are. It changes them. It makes them feel alive. It changes a situation. It breathes life into lifelessness. I mean, it, it changes people. Think about the time that someone has paid you the greatest compliment, make you, has made you feel the most known, has respected or honored you in the most profound way. Right, It has blessed you like almost nothing else for someone to say, hey, I see you and you are worthy with my words and with my actions as someone worthy of my service, worthy of my consideration. I see you. There was a, a study, kind of a project that happened uh, at a school in England a couple of years ago, a university. Um, we're gonna put the picture up in a second, but it was a really interesting thing, a photographer had these students come in and took a picture of them. Some of you might have seen this, go around Facebook or go around social media somewhere, took a picture of them and uh, told them one thing and it changed their face from the left to the right, as you can see here. There's a lot more of these, pretty long lists, but these are the ones that kind of got selected out to be the cover here. But left and right, left and right, left and right, left and right. And the thing that they told them, right, to change their face, all the photographer said was, you're beautiful. Said, you're beautiful. And that changed their face. Now, fellas, I'm not telling you, go up to a lady and say, you're beautiful. It might not work out for you the same way. It's a controlled experiment, probably security on hand. But here's the premise here, and here's, here's what I think we can draw from it. Is that people want to be seen as valuable. People want to be recognized as something important, something worthwhile, as people who have the image of God. And when we take the time to acknowledge the preciousness, the humanity of each person, it changes them and it changes the world. I was talking about this this week, this concept, and uh, aren't you glad for, like, really smart friends in your life? John Wood, our group's pastor, is one of those for me, and he reminded me of this passage that I guess I read in uh, C.S. Lewis's The Weight of Glory, but have since forgotten. But uh, John reminded me of it, and it's great, right? So here we go. Find smart friends. That's the moral here. It's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Or else, a horror and corruption such as now you meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are, in some degree, helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat, but it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. There are no ordinary people, only people worthy of our deepest respect. Mm. In showing respect, we display a different apologetic to the world. Think about it. We're full of so much disrespect in the world. So much disrespect. Get on the internet for five seconds. You see somebody trolling somebody. Walk outside, see somebody cut somebody off. It's unbelievable. But if we were known as Christians, if we were known at this church, as Fondren Church, as people who were deeply respectful, then how much of a different world would we create. What a powerful defense to the truth of the gospel that in the midst of us being snubbed, in the midst of us being spoken down to and pushed to the sides, that we would be respectful, that we would be people marked by respect. Why? Let's go to First Peter again. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the business we're in, proclaiming the excellencies of God. Once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, among the unbelievers, among the non-Christians, among the skeptics and the cynics. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We have a privilege, a responsibility to publicly display our faith. And a great mark of that is respect when we see people for who they are, their value, the image of God inside of them, their potential immortality one way or the other, we show them that we care and we earn the right to speak the gospel into their life for encouragement to a Christian and maybe for salvation for a non-Christian. Respect is more than just courtesy. It's how we show the world Jesus. I asked this week, uh, you know, on social media, it's not all bad, even though I've called it out here. Um, As we wrap up really quickly, band, y'all can go ahead and come up if you want to. Uh, I asked some people, hey, think about a time that you've been really respected, really honored. Uh, What did that feel like? What happened? What are the things you're looking for? And here's what people said. Just going through these really quickly. Um, Some of you are in the room today, so that's cool. So this is very contextualized happening here. Uh, When people ask for my opinion about something, like rely on me and need my help. When people truly listen and care about what I have to say, being heard and taken seriously, thoughtfully written, longer than four sentence notes expressing real value. When someone says, I'm proud of you, or they see and appreciate what you're doing. When people go out of the way to say they're proud of me, uh, being seen as I am, loved and accepted anyway. Being trusted to do something for a person that usually doesn't trust things to do people. Wait, yeah, trust people to do things for them. Um, Affirmation, acknowledgement of hard work, encouraging words. uh, When someone looks in your eyes and has a conversation with you. People asking for advice, undivided attention, a verbal recognition that I'm doing a good job. Do those sound hard? Like, is that hard to do, to really respect people? Like, is this a busy work, a difficult thing to do, no, we just get caught up. So let me give you, as we close, we're going through these very quickly, one at a time. You can find this full list on Uh It'll be prominently featured on the homepage. These are a couple of ways to show practical, biblical respect. If you wanna write some of these down that stick with you, that's great, but you can find them online. Choose to believe the best. It's First Corinthians 13. Love believes all things, hopes all things. Choose to believe the best. Before you post online, weigh the cost and benefit of what you post. You didn't think I was gonna speak out to the trolls here, right? Before you post online, weigh the cost and benefit of what you post. Let's go to the next one. Take the time to ask someone about their perspective, even if you don't agree with it. Right, to look at someone and say, hey, I don't know that we get along, I don't know that we're on the same page, but I see you and I wanna know where you're coming from. Right? When you're offended, choose to not offend the other person in return. So easy for us to want to strike back, but the way of Jesus, right, is to be humble, to turn the other cheek. Be the first person to compliment, encourage, and build up, right? I mean, it's a hard world, so don't wait for someone to bless you first. When someone undermines you, find a way to serve, bless, or encourage them. So even if someone slights you, right, and they cut their feet out from under you, cut your feet out from under you. I mean, we are Christians. We carry the light of the gospel. So let's bless people. Recognize and work hard under the authority in your life. We've got to be hard workers. That's what we're called to do. Initiate a conversation with someone you might think is beneath you. Be known as a good listener. And the last one, invest in people that might not give you anything in return. I mean, those are easy things to do, right? All we have to do is step out of the busyness of our life and seek to honor people. Because when we do, when we show them a genuine respect, or we see their value and show them the way that the Lord values them. So if you're in the room, right, and you feel uh, disappointed or rejected, if you feel like you haven't been honored, let me tell you, Jesus didn't win any popularity contests. He was crucified, crucified for us. But he says to you what we saw in First Peter 2, that you're chosen and you're precious. And because he's building us up, we are called to build others up by looking them in the eye and counting them as people who are worthy of our service and our words. Let's pray together. God, we love you and we are so thankful for a practical word. Lord, that your gospel is not shrouded in mystery, but that you left heaven and you came to earth, Lord, so that we could be built up together. Lord, as living stones, holy and precious. Lord, that's all people, people who look like us and people who we we might not even like. But Lord, your grace is so big that you call us all together. So, Lord, when we feel disrespected, we feel discounted, we feel like we haven't received honor. Lord, would we know that our place is in you? You call us sojourners and exiles. Lord, our home is with you. If we're seeking satisfaction in the world, a place here we will never find it. But Jesus, you've equipped us, you've called us out to show genuine affection, to show deep honor, to show a sincere respect to all people. And Lord, as we take communion together, the Lord's Supper, Lord, we remember your sacrifice that you died to show us respect. We pray these things in your great name. Amen. If you guys will stand up, we are gonna take the Lord's Supper together as is our custom the last Sunday of every month. Uh, If you're a guest here, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you say I'm a follower, a Christian, then uh, you're welcome to take communion with us. It's really easy, follow the person in front of you, take the bread, dip it into the corner of the cup, and um, we'll celebrate in worship, remembering Jesus' sacrifice together.